When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got uh, a Preston from, I'm not sure where Preston's from. Preston, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Good to have you on the show. Uh, yes, sir. Thank y'all for having me. Hey, Preston. How are you? Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing great tonight. Thank you. Hey, Jason. Uh, I'm real sorry to bother you, sir. I was wanting to know, can you teach me about the new um, electromagnetic radiation detector? The EMF detectors? Uh, yes, sir. It's the the new one. It's the um, electromagnetic uh, radiation detector. Yeah, I know that Steve actually. Steve did a video uh, on uh, teaching how to how to use them and so forth. If you want, set up Slick Eddie with your uh, your contact info, and I'll, I'll I'll forward it over to Steve, and and hopefully Steve can uh, get on that and. You know, maybe even send you a, a link for the video or whatever, because he did a whole whole thing on teaching everybody how to use it and how to look for uh, uh, incorrect hits and and so forth. So, yes, sir. So, but uh, yeah, so make sure you set up you set up slick with your your contact info, and, and I'll see about getting that over to Steve for you, and we can see about getting you some sort of information to help you out with it. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Jason, can I ask you one more question? Sure. In your honest opinion, sir, do you what's your take on the K two meter? Uh, the K two meter, it I think it's a good device for finding uh, finding some things, especially if you can uh, you can get the ones that you can turn on and leave on that don't take you holding it down with your thumb because the problem is you can get some mixed readings if you're holding it with your thumb. Your thumb gets tired, it lifts up slightly, it, it depresses, and I've seen false readings come from them. I have seen you know, like we were we were the first people to really start sticking coins in it to to hold it uh, hold it down so we didn't have to worry about that. Um, so I think it's a great device and it'll help you find some some really neat things. You can also put them if you have multiple ones. You can put them in a uh, in a chain down a hallway so you're able to see if you're getting magnetic fields moving closer to you. You might get a reading in one area where you start seeing the K2 light up in a dark room, and then all of a sudden that one stops, and the one close to you starts lighting up, and the one closer, and now even closer, lights up. So we like to stick them in a chain where we're able to see anything that possibly might be moving uh, and changing the fluctuations on the on the meters. Yes, sir. Does that help you out, Preston? Yes, sir. It does. I always learn a lot. A lot from Jason. If it wasn't for oh. him, I wouldn't know nothing about the paranormal. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you, thank you very much for the call. And uh, again, set up slick with your uh, your contact info, and we'll go from there. So, but thank you very much for calling in, Preston. Yeah, thank you, Preston. We're going to put you on hold there so Slick or Alex can pick up the phone. Let's go to Jay, our good buddy in Florida. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey guys, uh, good morning, good evening, and let me first say uh, hello to everyone in chat chat room, my friends. You know who you are. Um, and welcome to everyone new joining. And I just want you all to know, even the people who don't like me, the critics, the haters, whatever, um, that I pray for each and every one of you who listens now, to the show and who is part of this show um, and in chat. Well, and that's nice okay, to hear, Jay, because um, I'll, I'll be honest. Even You know, there's people who tune into the show who don't like me. And, you know, I don't care one way or the other. So it's I'm just do what you do and, and enjoy it, man. That's all that matters. Well, thank you. And let, let me say to you real quick, I want to give you props for um, being honest about just how evil uh, the Hollywood, as I call it, and some <laughs> others do, uh, and the TV and movie entertainment industry is, and how they definitely do not care about you. Well, you hear about this with yeah. the porn industry, they use you, and then that's it. But, you know, there's so much well, that I, people I, don't realize. But I, I, I think of the porn 
I think of the porn industry, the whole idea there is to be used. So, but uh, but no, <laughs> right, when it comes down right. when it comes down to, to Hollywood, let me just say there there are some great there are some great companies out there, and I think it depends on where you fall in when you're coming. Like when I started doing reality, reality television wasn't a big thing. There were a few shows here and there, so it was something new. And of course, Craig Pelagian and I we butted heads in the beginning, but but Craig understood that the show was about taps. It was about it was about this team, and if the team wasn't happy well then it just it translates on a film so craig and them ha- have always been great they've always stayed out of our way we've we've been in charge especially when we're on the road and and that that is important now most shows out there are not like that most shows out there are people who were casted by a production company and hired by a production company under under the premise that they work for the production company. They do what the production company tells them to do. And that sort of changes the whole dynamic when it comes down to... uh, to their dealing or their ability to to stand firm on their beliefs or not want something to to look a certain way. Right. So I can um I can kind of pick up where I left off the other night or there's or I can there's a few really important things that um I uh wanted to address. So um number 1 cuz this is for everyone. Uh the three things that if you do that cannot be forgiven and two of these aren't going to apply to most people. If you sell your soul, if you sell your soul, that's up to God if he's going to intervene to save you while you're still alive. Once you die, if you have sold your soul, then that's it. Two is if you succeed in suicide. Suicide is very much a real demon. I know all about it. It is only my Christian faith when I was a child and teenager that kept me from ever acting on it. And three, and this is the big one, because it is here in the U.S., the mark of the beast. One of the biggest lies going around now is that the RFID, which is Radio Frequency Identification Device, or NFC, Near Field Communication, is not the mark of the beast. Well, here's the thing, Jay. Actually, there's more saying that it is not than it is. Well, let me let let me just tell you. Of apostasy. Well, let me just hang on. Let me just let me just say one thing there, Jay, on that RFID, because actually I've been doing a lot of research on that because I can't get into too much, but I've actually been. uh, uh, getting ready to to do a do a story on that uh, on television. Um, the whole fact that I know there's reports that you uh, part of Obamacare and everything else, you're supposed to have the chip and everything else. And your thoughts on that are what that it's it connects you to to the devil. Oh my goodness! Okay, when what this does to you. First of all, it changes you at a DNA molecular structure, okay? It gives you a, let's call it a virus, that will destroy your connection to God. Some want to call it the God frequency, God particle, God gene. Okay. Or it gives you a virus that uh, kills your love, want, and need, and desire for him. Lucifer, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him or them, they own you then. There is no repentance. There is no forgiveness for this. And All right, but where do you get where do you get that in information from? Clearly you, states that where do I don't get, trust the New Testament as much as the Old Testament, but okay. Revelation definitely. That's because well, uh, of Paul the Apostle. He's very controversial. All right. So, but where, where does about. that information come from? Where uh, the RFID chip uh, does all this stuff? Where Where are you getting that? Oh, lots of sources. Okay, I mean, but, in the Bible it, itself, it says. In a correct translation, not a fraudulent one, in your right hand or in your forehead. Now, some people have been getting it in their left hand or arm, and they're usually getting it in their hand, in their right hand, in between their thumb and their index finger. But also with the forehead and the back of the neck, I've heard, it can also be done in the form of a tattoo. As I've touched on before, uh, the tattoos channel demons to you, Satanists, curse. I'm not saying everyone does this. Okay, because, yeah, because that's that puts a real bad uh, situation. Because on my body, I have numerous tattoos. One being right. uh, the, the image of an angel looking at itself in a puddle and seeing itself as a demon. And then on my back, I've got a scale that runs down my spine and an angel on one side of the scale and a demon on the other side. So, but I'm the furthest thing from attached to the devil as uh, so i i really am my, one of my closest friends in the world uh, practically a family member steve is covered from head to toe in in tattoos so are, are you referring not, to oh go ahead go i'm ahead. sorry no no so i'm you're not saying. saying that people who have
had them done. Well, they should repent and confess because your body is a temple, first of all, and you should not defile it. And this is why people want to dismiss the Old Testament and the, the this can segue a little bit into the other thing. Hey Jay, I people can't, I can't, they, I can't, let, I can't let you start another topic right now. I got, I have to let you go. I'm sorry. Um, we've got to move on because we only have a couple minutes left here. You'll have to, uh, we'll have to have you back on. Um, let's go to. Uh, this is Jonathan in New York City. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hey Jonathan. Hi. Hey. How, how you doing? Yeah. I, I just want to talk about certain things. Like um, I grew up in Brooklyn and stuff like that, and. Um, my grandfather, like back in like the forties, like he used to see like the spirit, um, this child, this girl, a little girl of like um, like four years old, like right at the bottom of the steps of this old brownstone we used to have in, in the family. Oh, and, really? Um, okay. Like a few times, he actually, she actually dissipated, but he, you know, he saw this girl over like over and over for the past like like you know ten years or twenty years. It was, uh, was always it all, like that what, to the family and stuff like that. Can you, was like, it always in the same spot? Explain this? Yeah. Was it always in the same spot, and did she ever pay him any attention, or was she just doing her own thing? Oh, no, she actually always paid attention, and um, it was in two different spots. Like, he saw it, but it, it was weird because it just started outside the house, and um, but she was always at, like, like, near steps, and she would okay. just look at him once and then dissipate. All right. So, well, well yeah, the fact that it, the fact that it was happening in two different spots would kind of take, and she was paying him attention, acknowledging him, would take away the idea of it being a residual type haunt. So it would fall more under a, a some sort of a intelligent type haunt. But I'm not sure the connection with that. So maybe it was somebody within his life that was still trying to connect. Maybe it was maybe it was the mere fact that he could see her and that nobody else could that she tried to purposely make sure that that uh, that she was there in in these locations where he'd see her you got to think a lot of times these things these spirits if nobody sees them for god knows how long and somebody finally does well a lot of times they're going to keep on trying to be around that person because that person was able to acknowledge their existence and that means everything to them oh that's that's really crazy yeah it, it's yeah. weird because like um he only saw her like um maybe Maybe three times, but I only I only I only met him like a few times in my life. But I only know of two, like one like in the house, and one outside of the house. And she always looked like she was like the same age, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, and it was just strange. But um, uh, thank you so much. Is yeah. this Jason Hall? Yeah, this is. Oh wow, man! It's, it's such a, a pleasure to uh, speak to you. I, I've seen your shows like for years. Oh, well, thank you very much, man. And make sure you tune in. We got some great shows that we do here, and uh, phone lines are always open. So thanks for the call, and I hope to talk to you again. Our guest tonight is Michelle Zirkel Markham, author of the book Rain No Evil. Uh, Michelle is um, also a podcaster and a columnist for Ohio Valley Publishing, the Portsmouth Daily Times, and Monroe Watchman Newspapers. Michelle, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thanks for being our guest. So before we start talking about your book and the experiences that you lived through that led to your uh, writing of the book, tell us about yourself, how you got into uh, writing to begin with, and um, what you know path led you to this point. Well, I taught English for 20 years in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is ironically where the Mothman was recently seen. Um, I, I've always enjoyed reading and I started telling this story that actually happened to me just to the community, you know, at kids' ball games and so forth. And I wrote a short story about it and won an award. So I thought, this needs to be a book. <laughs> so hence the book. <laughs> now, now fill us in on the story of what happened to you. Okay. Uh, as I was teaching high school, um, I was in a marriage that I had been in for 16 years with my high school sweetheart. He was a police officer. And... We were both um, having affairs and trying to make our marriage work. It um, wasn't working, and we had a big fight one day. And I got in the shower, and I, I basically prayed and told God that he had to prove to me he was real. I was blaming him for the dire straits that my marriage was in. And three days later, my older son was 12 and my younger son seven 
And my oldest one comes into running into the living room and said water had dropped on his head. Well, before the evening was over, it was spraying across the living room. And my husband and I were both sitting there on the couch watching TV. We thought at first the kids were joking around, but that was not the case. We realized that they would be nowhere around, and this water would literally spray across the room as if someone had stepped into the house with a water hose and just shot it on jet. It was that powerful. Um, I didn't initially tie it to the prayer. I did after this went on for a period of two weeks. And this, in reality, happened back in 2006. So this happened numerous, well, over a, a span and numerous times? Right, right. It kept, it would spray and it would stop. It wasn't like a continual, you know, like a continual leak or something. Yeah. Um, there was no water pipe sticking through the wall or anything like well, that. As a plumber, that's definitely my, my first thought is, because <clears throat> I'm a plumber by trade, um, is a water <laughs> line in the, in the ceiling, a water line in the wall, something that could that could be broken on the other side and seeping through and or just you know totally just letting loose and, and pouring so but none of that yeah you had that inspected you had it looked at oh yes after this happened uh, well we kept trying to find find it ourselves uh, family um, my husband my husband's dad you know we had family coming over my father they they were all very very uh, uh, very good at you know finding leaks they'd all been you know, working on homes before and that sort of thing. My dad actually works for OSHA and and deals with, uh, you know, disastrous areas and going into them. And um, our house wasn't really a disaster area just to look at it. Um, Like I said, the water, would it would spray, and it it was intermittent. It was very random, and you would never know when it was going to happen, and then it would would happen again. Uh, It may happen in 10 minutes. It may happen again in an hour. That was just part of what was going on in my house during that period of time. I want to take you, um, I want to take you a step back, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you to, to, to get into the details of all this because it's really fascinating. But um, you said you're from Point Pleasant, um, obviously the home Mothman. of the Mothman. Yeah, what is this where the house was, or, or was the house elsewhere? Well, I, I've actually I've written it and changed the names of locations and the names of people in the book because okay. of the personal nature of it. Sure. But what I can tell you is that I was teaching high school in Point Pleasant, uh, which is home of the Mothman, right. and that, yes, and that this did happen in West Virginia. Okay, so so it, regardless of whether it was ag- the house was actually in Point Pleasant or not, it was pretty close. Anyway, it had to be close enough that you could work there. Yeah, so- it was. Exactly. It was in the proximity, yeah. Now, before we break down the nuts and bolts of what happened to you and what you wrote about in the book, Rain No Evil, um, did you grow up knowing about the Mothman story and about all the other weird things that were going on uh, in the Point Pleasant area through um, you know, through that whole period? Yes, I did. My father actually was a police officer in Meigs County, Ohio, and he responded to the, when the Silver Bridge fell, oh. uh, he actually responded to that and heard people in the water screaming. Oh, wow. And there was so much craziness that was going on, even, uh, well, UFO and alien sightings, Jim, uh, within you know, a 50-mile radius of the mm-hmm. area prior and after, and, and just endless things like that. So did you grow up thinking or believing or even having an interest in the fact that there was a lot of strange activity in that whole region uh, for, for years and years? I always would teach the legend of the Mothman to my high school students as that's part of the curriculum, um, you know, a legend would be, and, and that it was local history. But as far as getting into and delving into any of that, as far as a personal nature, no. I mean, I, I enjoyed hearing the stories my father would tell and people in the community would tell. And I worked with Jeff Lomsley, who was the uh, the founder of the Mothman Museum there in Point Pleasant and the festival that has become huge yeah. there were over twelve thousand people there this year yeah it's, it's it is amazing and it's an amazing story and, and, the, we're, and we're talking about going there yeah too. we'd like to we we're actually hoping to be able to broadcast from there for, for next year but i guess my point here is that that region seems to be a hotbed of of all sorts of strange activity and i'm just looking to see if there might be any type of connection between what you experienced and some of these other strange things that are that are going on because quite honestly we had a mothman expert on uh, i don't know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about um you know the mothman sighting 
sightings, the, the Silver Bridge collapse, the Men in Black sightings, the uh, uh, Woody Derenberger, I think is his name, uh, story, in, the Indrid mm-hmm. Pold story. There's so many things, and they all seem to kind of, you know, within a 50 or so mile radius, radius of this Point Pleasant epicenter. And, and I just don't know if there's, if there's a strange energy or something. Well, and now you could chalk up a, a house that rains inside. Exactly. That's what <laughs> so. I'm saying. So, <laughs> right. Do you well, f- I, I don't think it directly had anything to do with the Mothman himself. Well, no, we don't. Uh, we don't, was no, we, we right, don't think right. that. We're so thinking asking, more just like an energi- think, energized area. Yes. Now, I, I would say that it, there there is a portal there um, and maybe numerous portals there that would allow in possibly more entities than your normal location. I, I would agree with that, and I do think that that's probably what happened um, in as far as allowing in as many things as we were witnessing in our hall. Well, because bef- there were many, many and, things. And before you had the experiences yourself and all this happened at your home, were you a believer of, of paranormal-type activity? Had you had any other experiences with spirits or ghosts or anything like that? I grew up Pentecostal, and I had seen a lady... Uh, when I was about seven years old, so you know, keep in mind, I, you know, from a seven-year-old's perspective, I do remember a lady running in our church, um, and it, again, it was a Pentecostal church, and screaming and crazy, and everyone in the congregation gathering around the, the preacher, anointing her head with oil. They said that she had she was possessed. Um, whether she was or not, I don't know, but I do remember that. I remember always believing that there were things that I couldn't explain and things that would happen. Um, there was a record playing one night in our house. Um, so there, there was, there was an incident uh, that was kind of strange when I was little. I heard, we heard this record playing. My sister and I, we were upstairs in our rooms. We'd retired for the night and we thought my mom was downstairs and had turned the record on because dad was at work. He was a police officer. And we walk out to the, the landing at the top of the stairs and here comes mom out of her bedroom <laughs> and she was upstairs too. So we we all look at each other and look over the railing, but we're all listening to this record that was playing, and and then we heard tape were crinkling. Well, of course, we all go in her room, and she calls my grandfather and my and my father, and they they get there about the same time, and there was no one there. Um, the house was secure, but the record player was not even plugged in. Now, how old were you at that time? <laughs> um, I was around around the eight. Around eight. Okay. Around eight and, years old. Mm-hmm. And were you the only uh, young female in the house? No, my younger sister. She had walked out with me. Oh, okay. Because I, you always yeah, got to ask because because sometimes you find that, uh, especially, well, like poltergeist-type hauntings are really not like the movie made it out to. It's usually a, a young female that's manifesting the activity themselves near high limestone deposit areas or in different areas that or give off some sort of energy or some sort of charge. So you always got to check because you you wonder if the the girl, the young girl in the house is actually the cause of a lot of that activity. Well, I've had people ask me that um, in many interviews with, with what happened at my house that, uh, you know, could it have been a poltergeist? And I, I'm not dismissing the fact that there could have been some poltergeist activity at my house. My my older son was twelve years old. Yeah, going through and it doesn't always have to be a female. It doesn't always have to be a female. It's just most of the time that that seems to be the agent. Right. We. I. I. I just know that there were many different things going on in our house. Apparitions um, that were happening over this two week period of time. There were eyeballs that were floating. Um, demons well, that. Uh, well, I, hang on, hang on. Eyeball, floating eyeballs. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> that yeah. that has to be traumatizing yeah. enough. Just seeing a pair of eyeballs floating. Yeah, that, that that was what my younger son saw. I saw a demon in my mirror, and that was the most frightening thing still to this day that has happened to me. Out of everything that I've encountered, um, even with the water shooting across the room and getting the chills up your back from knowing that there's no, that, that, that shouldn't be coming, you know, past you, there's nowhere for it to come from, that, or seemingly so. But when I saw the demon in my mirror, what had happened um, this happened during the, the period of time that, that this water is going on, and that's part of the revelation to me that there was a demon in the house. Um, because, I, I, again, we did not realize it at first, uh, so I'll get to the demon story in a minute. We, you asked me earlier if we had called the plumbers and, and repairmen. Yes, we had numerous, numerous professionals that had came to the house that were looking for a water leak. Um, they all left shaking their heads. 
and we had one gentleman, um, there was a team of three people that the insurance company had sent, and they had a meter that they placed on the wall that measures dampness back into the wall several inches. And they had searched the house. They couldn't find anything. They put this meter on the wall, and, you know, there's obviously there's water. You can see the trails of water that had basically stained, <laughs> excuse me, stained all of the walls, and the windows were steamed up. But yet the measure, that they're, the device that they were using to measure the dampness in the air and in the wall, it was showing none. It was reading zero. And one gentleman turned around to the other two and said, uh, this, there's something paranormal going on here. Um, I had ne- By the time that those particular people had gotten there, I realized that there was and I had that there was an evil spirit in the house. I had told my husband, but to appease him, because he didn't believe it, he thought I was crazy, um, to appease him, I was still having people come to the house and check it out. So that's yeah, why, yeah, even though I knew, I was like, okay, well, we're going to still have these, these guys over and let them... Let them see what they can do. You know? So they so they ran because uh, I'm familiar with the device, especially as like I said, as a plumber by trade. Um, it's a device that we we can put up against the wall to see water damage for one not to see it, but to actually test uh, how much water is, is actually trapped within an area and uh, how soaked an area is. Because it, of course, water damage insurance companies, you, you got to worry about all that, and you need to give information. So I'm familiar with that device, and it was it was literally it was saying there was nothing there. Absolutely, yes. And I had called the insurance company and made a claim simply because we were not sure um, what extent of damage we were going to, to have. Yeah. We we knew that we were able to keep up with pretty much mopping it up as we went. You know, we had a lot of hardwood floors, so when it would spray, we would take towels and, and mop it up. Um, so it wasn't like there were just literally, you know, inches of water laying on the floor, but we didn't know what was going to happen. So we did call the insurance company, um, not just to file the claim, but to to ask for their assistance. And they're the ones who sent this team of specialists. Um, and they wanted us to have the water and the electric turned off, actually. And, and I said, well, we're living in the house. And the, the lady who scheduled the appointment said, oh, you're living there. And I said, yes, we are actually living in the house. So um, she allowed us to keep the water on and the electric on because they're used to working in disastrous areas, obviously. Yeah, and I'm um, sure they probably shut it off. They probably shut it off while they were there to do their stuff to at least make sure that something wasn't feeding it and then just turned it back on before they left. Right, right. But they did allow us to keep it on, and they did pay us. Um, by the time this was all over, the insurance gentleman, um, I told him, I said, look, <laughs> we, we, we have this fixed. We didn't uh, have to do anything except change the carpet. There was a carpet in the kitchen that had a pad under it. And I said, that's the only thing, damage that we have um, other than painting. We're going to have to paint the whole house inside because of all this, the, the stains. And I said, other than that, we don't have any damage. And I said, I'm just going to tell you how it happened. We had a priest come, and a priest exercised this house. And I said, I didn't expect to get paid. And, you know, he, he said his response was, I'm going to send you a check to cover the paint and the carpet because I lived in a haunted house myself, and I believe you. Yeah, you got lucky because that's such a rarity, and most of them want some solid evidence. Let's uh, let's walk this back a little bit and um, start from the beginning of how the the occurrences began. Now, you had nothing. How long were you in the house prior to this starting, and was there any hint of what was to come while you were there before it really all started to take place? There was absolutely no no hint whatsoever. We moved into this house eight years before we had any sort of experience like this, and it only started three days after I dared God to prove to me he was real. I wanted to know. I, I believed that he was from a, from a child. I grew up in church, but I was angry. I was uh, trying to make my marriage work, and I was angry at God and blamed him for just being in this unhappy situation and not realizing also that I was actually in a very verbally abusive relationship. And that was something that transpired and was revealed to me as this progressed. And that's not uncommon, though, when it comes down to demonic-type hauntings or, or possessions for uh, verbal or physical or, or even drug or alcohol abuse, some sort of abuse, emotional abuse, any of those abuses seem to be a catalyst. But 
also the fact that you did you know consider your son being uh, starting puberty and so forth um as a possible catalyst for the activity so you were looking into these explanations but you know situations like you were saying earlier you and your husband were both having extramarital affairs and so that's all already building tension in the house adding to the negativity and of course that it just opens the door for things to come things to come in and fill that void yes yes and we had lived in a house prior to the moving into this one and we were we were still having the same issues then the verbal abuse was going on even at that house um that we lived in prior to this one so um, I, I don't believe that, you know, that just, you know, uh, just occurred from a, as a result of living in this house specifically. But uh, the, I'll, I'll start from where you want to from then. Gotcha. So um, you, you were in a bad place in your life. You had a lot of stress um, from pr- pretty much all sides, and you spoke directly to God, and you asked him to to give you some kind of sign that he was real three days later all hell breaks loose yes yes water started spraying across the room and when you my, say when my, you say water started spraying across the room what were you just sitting in, in a living room or or somewhere watching television or something give us really how it happened yes we, my husband and i were sitting in the living room watching television the boys were upstairs my 12 year old my seven year old and my oldest one came running downstairs and said water had dripped on his head. Well, I, we just thought he was goofing around. Um, he went in the kitchen, got a snack, goes back up, comes back down a little bit later, same thing, he says. So I go in and look, and I see where there's a spot on the carpet that the, the stairs are carpeted. And right in the middle of the upstairs hallway, directly below that on the step, there was a just a little spot of water. And... I said, well, did you have water in your hand? And his answer was no. Well, I go back down and sit down, and before you know it, water had hit the front door from somewhere in the the foyer area where he had initially pointed out. It hit the front door. My husband and I look at each other because, you know, and of course, obviously go running. We think that obviously there had to be something just majorly break and shoot down there to hit that front door like that. Yeah, absolutely. And. Yeah, and of course he's yelled at the kids, what are you doing? You know, obviously thinking it's them. And they they said it wasn't them. We're, we dry it up and sitting there puzzled and kind of talking about it while we're continuing to watch our, our television show. And then it happens again, actually in the living room we're in. And there was nobody around. And this this proceeded to be in through the, throughout the two-week period in every room in the house. It was a two-story house with a basement. It was. It would shoot across the room and hit the fire alarm, set it off. It would bust the light bulbs because they were hot, so it would spray and hit them and you know, shatter the glass all over the floor. Um, I had to take my paintings off the walls and put them under my dining room table and cover it with plastic because everything you just didn't know where it was going to hit. And those pictures, I actually have a picture of the dining room table with it covered on YouTube on a trailer there. I think it says, a demon hijacked my house, rain no evil. And if you type that into YouTube, you can see the actual pictures of of the the house. I did was not able to capture a lot of things I wanted to capture. At the time, I, I really wasn't thinking pictures too much because it, it was just all so surreal. I was working. I was still working full time. My husband was working. We're just trying to find this water leak. We think, my gosh, you know, we were thought we were going crazy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it was pretty, It was really a terrifying situation. Right, and I did have someone uh, actually r- recommend when this water was spraying in the house and all the apparitions and things. We saw Grim Reapers and um, had somebody bust- busting our tires in our locked garages. I mean, the story is very much more involved than just the water itself, as I've alluded to. But I did have someone contact me and say, you know, someone in the community, actually, that I didn't know very well because it spread like wildfire, obviously, you know, in a small community, something like this going on. And the lady said, why don't you call this house cleaner? She said, I have her, her number. She's from, actually, she was from Parkersburg, West Virginia, and uh, said that, you know, she could come and clean my house. She's called a house cleaner, obviously not with pledge and dusting, <laughs> but um, there are house cleaners out there that will come and remove uh, remove these entities for you, and they sage the place, and they, they have their own rituals. There's many various, uh, various different ones, 
But I did not do that. I did call the lady and speak with her. She was willing to come. I think it was 100 bucks that she was going to charge. Uh, very reasonable. But, again, I was very leery of getting into I I was not into that. Um, I wasn't into anything what you would refer to now probably as new age. I wasn't into saging or I was I was just very leery of inviting anything in um, to my life that I wasn't sure of what was going you know going to happen so I did not ask her to come I did stick with with asking the priest but that makes it even more interesting to me how I actually ended up going to the lady in Charleston that I did knowing how hesitant I was with that sort of you know energy work and sort of things I wasn't familiar with but yet I did go and it was definitely meant for me to, yeah. to meet her and have that experience. Which is funny that you refer uh, that we refer to somebody coming in and saging as new age, which, uh, again, it does fall under. But if you think about it, it's one of the oldest type things that, that are out there. <laughs> so it's, it's how, it became, yeah, how it became this new age type thing is just beyond me. I mean, they were, they were doing this long before, long before priests and so forth would come to your house to, to do a cleansing. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, that's one of the articles that I, I wrote about uh, – I write for the paper, as you mentioned earlier, and, and that's one of the things that I do like to write about to try to inform people in my own way through the column that, uh, you know, I talk about smudging and how it's okay because a lot of uh, Christians believe that, oh, you know, like you said, that word new age comes in. Well, the priests use incense. The Indians have used, uh, you know, the smoke for clearing for years. So like you said, it's an ancient practice, and there's nothing evil about the practice itself. It's the intent behind what you are doing with anything that really matters. Well, exactly. Especially when you look at things right down to, to Wicca and so forth. That falls under this whole New Age thing. But to be honest, it's the oldest religion. That and paganism, it's pretty much the oldest religion there is. So it's just right. funny how uh, society has really changed it and labeled it. And, and now people's perception of it is so different than it really is. Well, this book is very controversial in that I've already had it banned from a store in Ohio. They were selling out of it. Um, it's been banned from that store because one of the employees picked it up, started reading it, realized that there was sex in it. And, you know, it was part of the integral part of the story. But they called me and said they weren't comfortable carrying it because they play Christian music in the store. Um, the, the, this book itself, it's not anti-Christian at all. And, as, you know, as I explained to her the reasoning for having the sex in the book, you know, she understood that, but they still weren't comfortable carrying it. So, you know, it's been banned from that store. And I actually had a lady burn my book the same week. Um, she burned it. She said God told her to burn it page by page. I think people, start, they, they get introduced to something they're not familiar with. Their worldview is one way. They've been told things are this specific way, this specific religion, you know, and they start reading something or hear something that challenges that, and they get scared. And and that's what I feel has happened, um, at least in those incidences, and, and that's fine. I'm not saying people have to agree with my book either. That That's okay, too. People can read it and have their own opinion. But I am saying that to to just get a few pages in and think that you, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, this person's challenging God. That must mean, you know, she she's evil or, or she's, um, you know, she's not in the right place. That was part of the story, is that yeah. I, I did that. Asking for a sign from God was my way of getting answers I needed. I'm very thankful every day for the experience that I had because it changed my life. It helped me to transform my life, and that was what I needed. So I did ask for a sign. Even in the Bible, the wise men needed a star to follow, and I followed mine. And they should at least give it a chance. I mean, it's kind of stupid to be burning a book and everything else. It's silly, but whatever. We're talking with Michelle Zirkel Markham, author of the book Rain No Evil, which is an account based on her true story of an assault by a demonic presence. Um, Michelle, I mean, one of the questions, obviously, for anybody who um, is a paranormal investigator or takes a real interest in this stuff is, did anybody, and if so, how many people that were outside the home were witness to what was going on in the home? We had upwards of probably around 50 people. That included family, friends that would just stop by, um, you know, the, the, including the repairmen and the contractors that we would call, the priests. Um, I, I, there was actually a Protestant preacher. My husband's Protestant preacher actually attended. I don't know that the water sprayed while that person was there. But, uh, yeah, many people in the community would stop by and did witness it. And I've had 
several of them come to my book signing. Oh, we're so glad this story's finally out, you know, um, that, you know, you're, you're sharing it. And I remember when that happened, and, you know, it, that was just really interesting to, to hear that from, from the people in the community. So, yes, probably about 50 people. And once you had the house exercised, you had the priest involved, did, did all of it stop? Has anything occurred to you personally since then? Uh, no, nothing like that, no. But other other experiences, or just nothing paranormal. Uh, well, I, I it would be paranormal, but I don't believe it was evil. There, um, the house that I live in now in Columbus. Um, lived I've lived there for a year. I remarried and I moved up there last year. And my husband and I, as we were talking about uh, the book, and you know, he was just like, I, you know, I believe you. I, he's he believed me from the beginning. He knows the whole story. He said, it's just, it's hard, it is hard to wrap your head around. He said, I can't imagine, you know, having that experience. And it wasn't very long. It was about a week later, and we had, he had a tote that just, a tote fell out of the closet. Um, basically, very unexplainable. It was up there, very secure, fell out. He said, I felt like it meant to hit me. Um, so I think that in that way, his questioning had called in something, if that makes any sense. Uh, it happened a few times to him. And he said it just about, it basically flew off the shelf, he mm. said, and, and I felt like it meant to hit me. And it, this happened twice in a period of two weeks. And then, like, the, the door would open, and he'd say that door wasn't open, you know. And so he was experiencing some things uh, that didn't directly have, you know, anything to do with me. But I think his questioning of, again, when you asked for something, when you asked for proof, he might not have actually came out the way I did and said, hey, God, prove to me you're real. But he was definitely questioning the experience that I had, not that he didn't believe me, but he was interested. He was questioning, wow, how could that happen? I can't imagine, you know, how sitting there and water spraying across the room and, and that whole experience, it just, I can't wrap my head around it. And I do believe that that questioning called that in because he had lived in that house. Uh, he built that house, and this was, he's lived there for five years now. I've only lived there for one. So he had never had anything like that happen before. And when when this was all over, when when it all stopped, how long uh, between that point and the point you decided to uh, write an account of this in the book Rain No Evil? Well, I just started writing the book about four years ago. Um, I I had written a short story, won a contest in West Virginia for West Virginia writers, and I I was encouraged by that, and I thought, well, this this needs to be told. So initially, I started just writing it as oh, this paranormal crazy thing happened to me. And then I realized, no, that that in itself is fine, but that's not the message. The message is you can change your life. This is how I changed mine. So I started writing the whole thing and uh, brought in the elements of the personal nature of the relationship because that was the reasoning. So it all made more sense when it all came together, and I told the entire story. So it took me four years to write, but this actually happened back in 2006. So I had... I always have kept a diary, so I had a I had a diary, you know, that I would journal in when all this stuff was happening. So it was, and of course these these memories are very vivid. When you experience something as electrifying as what I experienced, you know, you you remember you remember the details. Yeah, and you decided at some point to to write a novel based on the events, as opposed to just writing a, a just a telling of the events. What what was involved in that decision? Uh, that in, that was because of the personal nature of it. I I did not want to. Um, obviously, I'm out here and I'm saying, hey, you know, this is Michelle Zirkel Markham. This is who I am, and this is what happened to me. But the other people in the story, um, you know, my ex-husband, you know, that he can t- share the story how he you know wishes to share it. But I didn't feel that was my place to kind of call him out on not just and of course people like I said in the community know, but as far as a worldwide audience. Um, that that's that was more that was why I wrote the book the way I did as far as changing the names and the locations. And I do talk to uh, I do interview uh, my dad on one of my Life Speaks podcasts that I do. Um, I interviewed him and he retells uh, his name is Mike Zirkel. And so if you go through the archives, you'll find that um, his telling of his experience when he came to my house and saw the water spraying. Michelle, let's change the topic a little bit because you do some other things and um, uh, you, you host a weekly radio show, as you've mentioned, it's called Life Speaks. It's at, it's at uh, what, on the, on the com. Is that where people can find that? 
Yes, that what, airs on, on their site, and then I take it and podcast it on my lifespeaks.info site. Great. So tell us a little bit about that podcast. What's it about? Well, it's largely about people's experiences with, uh, I have, for instance, a uh, person I interviewed that has seen Sasquatch when he was 15, and he uh, is interested in, in hunting. I say hunting and in, in just researching uh, Bigfoot and Sasquatch, so I... It, it tends to be uh, people, their experience with the paranormal. Uh, I do think I will be branching out and speaking on more things on the show and talking to people, for instance, about um, domestic violence and um, their experience with that and how they've dealt with it and how they've, you know, came through. And because I have had many women come up to me and say, you know, I, you know, I, I lived through that, you know, I got out. And, and so I do think the show will branch out. But right now what's on there, you have a lot of, a lot of people sharing their basically paranormal or spiritual stories. Um, life's not a coincidence. And when you start seeing that the coincidences that you um, have in your life are not really coincidences at all. It's um, their clues. They are signs. And we need to follow them. It's like a trail of breadcrumbs. And if you do that, you you will be living more of your truth than by ignoring them. And so you're that's all- pretty much what the show is. And I did... Uh, I did also interview Chad Lindbergh. He is on um, he's on Ghost Stalkers on Destination America. I was able to hook up with him at the Rocket Boys Festival with Homer Hickam, and I interviewed him about his experiences. That he's, of course, he's a paranormal investigator, and he played on Fast and Furious, the first one. So he had a, a cool story. And uh, you also are an inspirational speaker, uh, motivational speaker, I suppose. Um, you talk about uh, energy healing and domestic violence and, uh, and also your experiences with, with the demonic forces. Tell us a little bit about what you do when you, when you speak and the type of audiences that uh, you speak to. Um, that's varied. Uh, sometimes it's a, like it's a community library where I will... Uh, they're usually, of course, very interested in, first of all, hearing, uh, I think, the main... Um, attraction for them is hearing this story, hearing the Rain No Evil part of it. Um, that's usually the icebreaker for me is that I share, you know, this is the book I wrote and and this is how I got from from A to Z. This is how I got from being um, manipulated by these uh, evil forces and and came through all of that and got out of a domestic, you know, violence relationship and and have transformed my life. So I, I usually incorporate all of those elements into the speeches that I make. All right. And, uh, here, you know, in an age where we're seeing uh, The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, more Amityville horror movies, um, uh, you know, all these these films based on true hauntings, any discussion on, on turning your story into some type of film? Uh, actually, yes. There's a lot of people that have mentioned that to me. It's a rumor that that's what it's it's going to be. It would make a heck of a movie, I will say. And since I'm from West Virginia, I, I think Jennifer Garner should be in the running for that, for sure. <laughs> for playing me, anyway. Uh, yeah, Michelle, we're just basically out of time here, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to let folks know where they can find the book, where they can learn more about you and the other things that you do. Okay, great. Well, my book is on rainnoevil.com, and that's rain like water. Rainnoevil.com. They can order it there. Or on Amazon, it is also on Kindle, all the ebooks, and some of the local bookstores in West Virginia and Ohio have them. Uh, also, you can go to michellezorkel.com, and if you go to that site, you can get with me if you would like for me to come to your location to speak. I am planned, um, planning on being in New Mexico, so I'm looking forward to sharing my story on a more national level. Great. Thank you so much for coming on and spending time with us to, and, and telling us about your story. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, okay. We've got, we're going to try to get uh, Marianne from Buffalo in. We've got about uh, just a little bit less than a minute for you, Marianne. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jason and JB. Thank you very much. Um, I have, real quick, I love the guy, Jay, that keeps calling. I am so down on him. He is really, really good. Um, he, uh, he knows his Old Testament before Christ. New Testament is the new covenant with God and man. And I love everything he says. The one thing I, I have is my question is, okay, a human being is made of three parts, mind, body, and spirit. When I was delivering my daughter, I left my body, and I'm at the ceiling, and I'm watching the doctor, the nurse, and my birth brother's wife. And you me. had about 10 seconds, on. Okay. I know I was in the spirit. 
Okay, now my question is for someone who has their body on ice for the future, do these people believe their spirit will come back into their body? Well, that's, 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 that's a great, a great question. question. Yeah. And honestly, I think that, yeah, they think that their their spirit's just in limbo until until they get revived. Sorry to cut you off, but we're pretty much out of time. Thanks for listening. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal. We'll see you next time. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Let's go to the phone lines and bring our good friend Vince into the program. Vince, calling early tonight. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. How you doing, guys? Good, Vince. Welcome to the show. Yeah, that blood and all that stuff. That's placebo. That's something in your brain. Uh Regardless of that, I want to inform people about the chat room. And it's a very important, integral part of the show and that people don't, I don't know if they're aware about. It's hard to keep up with. It really goes fast. But after a while, you're used to it. And you're addicted. <laughs> now, the people in the chat room are devoted, loyal, loving, caring people that if you don't show up the next day, guess what they do? They call uh-huh. you out. Yeah, they'll, they'll hunt you down, find you, make sure you're okay. How you doing? Yeah, yeah and, you, and you actually, you, you know that you, you know that firsthand. You got me on that one. <laughs> well, but it's the truth. It, honestly, uh, the people I mean, who come they, to the chat tend to tend to keep on coming heart. back. And uh, uh, I just want to just give all the people in the chat room. You know, I know they make fun. They play their games. They got their little private things going on. I don't care about none of that. But what I realized is in the chat. I'm on the phone, my home phone. I'm on the chat room right now. I'm listening to you guys on KMBZ, Casey Mo. And I hope your stations keep on, just go across the board. And I just think that uh, to enjoy the whole uh, the whole deal is, you know, be a part. And uh, these guys are wonderful people. Well, that's all, that's awesome to hear. And to be honest with you, yeah, man, it's a huge family, and it's a, it's a big community, and it's ever growing. And uh, you know, much love goes out to everybody in the in in the chat and who who tune in, uh, whether they connect online or not. But uh, yeah, but it's definitely a big community, and the people who go tend to tend to definitely come back and be a become a big part of the community. And I just appreciate that. I want to thank you guys for that, and I want to thank everybody in the chat room. And then have a good night. Thanks for the call, Vince. And he's absolutely right. The people in the chat room are, they care about each other. They engage in some witty conversations, some serious conversation, um, and they make the show uh what it is to make it much more lively by doing that. I mean, well, like, like Vince was saying, yeah, they, they do. It's, you know, he had disappeared for like two days and I'm getting messages from people in chat trying to find out any information. Hey, he, he's called him before. Do you have his number locked in? Because we want to call and that's check right. on him and make sure everybody's okay. And that's, and that's the way they are. It, it's just, it's a great, it's a, it's a great big family and uh, everybody's just awesome. It is a great community. It is. It's beyond <laughs> reality radio with Jason and JV. Don't go away.